Well, don't be yawning on the podcast because we are now on the Chillinoy podcast. Hi, Justine. Welcome back. Hey. You excited to uh, sit down and talk today? We both decided fuck work today, right? <laughs> I don't want to say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, hey, folks, really exciting day today because it is the 17th. Yesterday was the 16th, which is when we closed entry to our Tommy Chong giveaway. And today, live on the podcast... Uh, we are going to give away, we're going to raffle off these shirts. So we've got our spreadsheets pulled up, which includes all the entries, um, and we're going to pick a random winner uh, using a random number generator. And I just, I'll say that, uh, you know, I, I imagined that this, the pool for people who got shirts, the small shirts would be smaller. It is indeed a small pool of people, and I think the folks that strategically entered in for a small probably had a higher chance of winning. It seemed like most people, and it, this is what felt the it felt so weird about this giveaway was that I'm giving away these shirts, and I mean you can wear them if you want, but I would encourage you not to because this you know it's a shirt that has Tommy Chong's interview on it so he he autographed it with a sharpie so maybe you could get one wash out of it but i wouldn't push it people i would hang the shirt up maybe put it in a frame i mean this is cannabis history do with it what you want i mean it's yours right but uh that's just my recommendation so all right so um we're going to be raffling off the large shirts first so let me put in the number of folks that entered. All right, so our winner is number 72. Number 72, come on down. Uh, Justine, what is the first name of number 72? Caleb. Caleb, and Caleb actually provided his address. Caleb, we're going to send you an email just to confirm. Please get back to us as soon as possible with your confirmation. Uh, we want to make sure that we're sending this shirt to the right address. So, Caleb, uh, look in your email for uh, an email from chili at chillinoy.net. Make sure to check your spam or junk folder just in case uh, you don't want to miss this. Okay, hey, let's... Raffle off the next winner. Winner is number 12. Come on down. Justine, what is the first name uh, for the winner uh, of the Chilin the second Chilinoy t-shirt autographed by Tommy Chong? Yeah, this is going out to Kathy. Hey, Kathy. Looks like Kathy also provided her address, which is awesome. Kathy, we're just going to send you an email to confirm that. Please look out in your drunk or spam folder for an email from chili at chilinoy.net. Um, and we are just going to be co confirming your address before we send out your winnings. Okay, let's get the last uh, winner drawn. Number two, two, two. Okay, number two. And the name for number two is? Simon. Simon. Looks like we're going to need to contact you for your address. So look in your email for an email from us. Once again, that address is chili at chilinoy.net. Be sure to check your spam or junk folder. And you don't do, miss not, this. do not send us hateful messages if you didn't win. <laughs> I don't think anybody I don't think anybody will. I think it was uh a welcomed opportunity to win, you know. Everybody was excited for the chance and um just wanted to say to all the folks that purchased a Chillinoy t-shirt, we really appreciate uh you doing that and and maybe we'll do something like that again in the future and hey, maybe we'll do something with Tommy Chong again in the future. He's he's cool. He's we're close enough now, right? Isn't that weird? Um so <laughs> hey, that, that was the Chillinoy Tommy Chong giveaway. It's done. It was a few months in the making. I wanted to give everybody a chance to win. And so, uh, hey, next up, why don't we talk about some cannabis bills that everybody's talking about? And in order to do that, in the spirit of your last appearance on the Tommy, Ch on the Tommy Chong podcast, <laughs> on the Chillinoy podcast, uh, in the spirit of that, we're going to get you violently high for uh, you know an in-depth conversation about cannabis policy. So, we've got a bong here. It's a it's an icy cold bong chacho. Pretty excited about it. Um, and any ignorant comments that I make beyond this point 
Um, feel free to DM me on Instagram and correct me if you want to, but just know I may not even remember making the comments here in the next couple of minutes. Tell them your Instagram handle. My Instagram is Justine, J-U-S-T-I-N-E underscore Chillinois podcast. Um, yeah. I don't post very often, more more so on my story than on my actual page, but yeah, come come check it out, I guess. There might be some quality content. I don't know. I, I'm kind of just, you know, rolling with it. I don't have a plan. My page is not aesthetic. I don't have, like, well-thought-out photo grids or anything like that. In true Chillinois fashion, we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and do what feels good that's what we do baby that's what we do all right hey let's let's get high let's talk about illinois cannabis policy um first i wanted to bring up the fact that several amendments have been introduced uh for craft growers and they're just cannabis bills you know that have been proposed and that's always that's always super fun uh, so our friends at IllinoisNewsJoint.com have reported on this. We'll throw the link in the show notes. And they, uh, they're they sharing information on, it looks like, four cannabis bills that have been produced uh, or, or rather uh, proposed. Um, and they all seem to focus around, or most of them focus around, craft growers. So one of them is cannabis shared premises. That's... House Bill 4195, and from what I understand, there's a lot in there, but for the most part, they're a lot, they're they're trying to propose that craft growers could share a premises, which is pretty cool. So multiple craft growers on one premises. Um, there's another one. There's two more for c- cannabis craft growers, and they propose um, a few different things, but one of the ones that really caught my eye was that they're trying to remove language provided that the Illinois Department of Agriculture may authorize an increase or decrease of flowering stage cultivation space in increments of 3,000 feet by rule based on market need. I think that's good on one hand because they can't decrease any social equity candidate just willy-nilly. Um, but on the other hand, uh, as Representative LaShawn Ford knows, uh, you know, this is one of those ways that they could have. So let me let me just pull this up real quick. I'm reading off of grownin.com. Uh, we'll throw this link in the show notes as well. Um, so Re- Representative Sean Form- Ford said that he was trying to work with the Illinois Department of Agriculture to increase this square footage by administrative order, which I think that's like the other side of this that I think is good. Sure, it's bad that they can decrease flowering space, but the fact that they can increase flowering space without input from the legislature, which as we all know is gridlocked and does little, if anything. Um, I-, I thought that was one of the good things that that could happen, although we never saw it happen, you know, so um, he's proposing to remove all that language together. But what I will say, because I've seen a lot of people getting really, really excited about the prospect of new cannabis bills, LaShawn Ford, he proposed three of these, and he's been very clear in this article uh, that we're reading from grownin.com, and again, the the link will be in the show notes. Uh, He's been very clear that we've, that they've been caucusing on it, but he said, and I quote, There's no clear way to pass cannabis legislation, especially with the way that this session is. Um, And he was referring to much less personal contact, since most committee hearings are conducted remotely over Zoom, and of course, the fact that this is a shortened session. Look, it's re-election season, baby. They're going to be, that's what they're focusing on. And so I honestly don't have any faith that these bills will go anywhere, and in fact, I think that they will simply be used as campaign, um, you know, something in a campaign to say that, look, I proposed this bill or look, he proposed this bill and I supported it. And so that's why you need to vote me back into the office so I can finish the job and make this in law, into law. That's all I think this is. He said it himself. He doesn't think that uh, there's a clear way to pass cannabis legislation in this session. And so for him to propose these bills, it's great. You know, welcome. I, I welcome uh, reform. 
um, but I just don't see it happening. So thank you to the folks at IllinoisNewsJoint.com for sharing this article, and fingers crossed that I'm wrong, and fingers crossed that Rep- Representative LaShawn Ford himself uh, has found some way, because the last time I heard a statement from him, it was very clear that there's just no way that, that anything cannabis-related was going to happen this session. I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but look, it's his own words, right? So let's let's be real here. Justine, you ready to get high? Uh, always, yes. Okay, let's hit this bong, and we will transition to our next subject, which is a, a documentary, uh, w- which we will put in the show notes. It's called "Why Why Is It So Hard to Sell Weed in Chicago?" It's a YouTube documentary. Uh, I believe it's an arm from Al Jazeera. It's AJ Plus, which is Al Jazeera Plus. Al Jazeera Plus, thank you. And it's a really, really interesting article featuring some local Chilinoians, including uh, Belisha, which is uh, some some person that's really high up in scene, Social Equity Empowerment Network. Uh, she was also a applicant. She's a litigant in the current cannabis lawsuits. And they talk about her experience and other people's experience in trying to apply for cannabis licenses and and just how fucked up it is. I mean, um, at the very beginning of the documentary, which I love this, they were very clear, um, and and we'll play this clip right now, um, they feature a clip from Toy Hutchinson. 4,518 applications for what was originally going to be 75 licenses. 99% of people weren't going to get them. So as you can hear, I mean, she was, she acknowledged that 99% of the applicants were simply never going to win. They just simply weren't. And what they're highlighting is is the fact that Illinois has a limited cannabis market, right? Yeah, those are pretty low odds considering the amount of money that it takes just to apply that it's not like you get a refund, you know? And, And that's one of the points that they make in the documentary is that it required so many so many sorry so much money just to weigh this process in your favor what they highlighted and we've talked about it on the show before is that excuse me folks we're smoking it's getting hazy um what what we've highlighted on the show before and what they discussed is that you could submit an unlimited number of applications in other words putting things in your favor i mean if it's a lottery and there's balls in the bucket and you're adding more balls with your name on it that means that you have higher chances if it costs five thousand dollars for each ball i'm sorry but you know somebody who you would actually consider to be a social equity candidate may not be able to afford more than one application so um they they highlight that uh, I really liked that clip we just played from Toy Hutchinson, which, she, I mean, she was the uh, originally appointed as the cannabis czar here in Illinois, which is an interesting title to have. Um, she just acknowledged that, simply put, this process on its face was going to screen out 99% of applicants. Folks, limited licensing is not the way to go. They also talk about the fact that we rank third among states that have experienced the largest increase in racial disparities in cannabis possession arrests. Law enforcement arrested three times the amount of people of color as opposed to, you know, white people um, during the first year of quote-unquote legal cannabis in Illinois, which begs the question that we always ask, is it legal if people are being arrested? And, And um, you really got to wonder, <laughs> you really got to wonder. So, um, I, I also liked that they highlighted that cannabis license license winners can sell their licenses with no obligation to invest or, in, or to adhere to any like social equity practices, um, which like full disclosure, please again, folks, I'm putting the documentary in the podcast description so that you can watch it, watch it. The, the person that one of the people that they feature in the documentary is pretty upfront in saying that she believes that you should be able to sell your cannabis license. I mean, why shouldn't you? You want it. 
you want it as a social equity candidate. Go ahead. Yeah. No, she made a really interesting point in the documentary, too, where, um, you know, if you are from an area that has been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs, um, you are likely coming from a low income area. So somebody calling you up um, and offering you three million dollars for something you just spent 10K on. Um, it's pretty tempting not to sell, but we'll see what happens with that. I think if a social equity applicant sells, I don't think anything's wrong with that because the alternative is taking a very large financial risk. You have to then maneuver and navigate all the intricacies of owning a business that is not federally legal. There are only so many places that will allow you to sell. Whole communities don't want you there. Whole landlords don't want you there. If you've been struggling your whole life and somebody was willing to give you three million dollars and you don't want to take the risk and you just you want to live comfortably, I understand. So to just briefly return to the point of of there being no social equity in cannabis, I wanted to play this this quick clip from the documentary before we segue to our next topic, which is an interview about the documentary. So here's the clip. I have a question about Illinois' process. Can it be equitable? In the United States of America? <laughs> That's where we're doing this interview, so yes. And there was no equity in this because it costs so much to apply in the first place. Like, people who were disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, people who were, like, arrested for, <laughs> for weed, when they come out, they can't get jobs. How the hell are you supposed to be able to just drop $50,000 on a, on a hope? Okay. Yeah, well said. Once again, folks, the, sh the the documentary is in our show notes. Please check it out. You know, uh, there's much more than what we've discussed. Uh, very, very substantive interview. Uh, shout out to the folks at AJ Plus for putting a spotlight on this topic. Um, the next thing we'll talk about is an Al Jazeera interview that happened, which we will also have in the show notes. And it includes... Uh, the correspondent from the documentary that we just talked about, as well as uh, Belisha, who who we also recently just talked about. She's a uh, one of the subjects of the interview, and um, it also includes Danielle Perry, who is the cannabis regulation uh, oversight officer for the state of Illinois. Very cool stuff. Um, I've never personally, had, you know, heard. Danielle make any statements and I gotta say folks you know before we get into this I'm, I'm am I right high right now or something but or was she saying things that seemed to make sense yeah of course she th but the reason I'm asking the question that way is because I've not heard any state officials make any comments about cannabis policy that are rooted in logic and I think one of the first ones that to highlight what I'm talking about uh, they go back to the comment um, that Toy Hutchinson made. Um, in, in a sense, th they address the fact that this whole process screened out 99% of applicants. And um, Danielle Perry, we're about to play the clip, says that maybe the competitive application process was part of the problem. So you applied for a, uh, a license for a dispensary, right? I did. I and, did apply and you for did not license. get it. No. What happened? I did not. Basically, um, I wasn't a veteran. Um, I'm not a veteran, um, and I didn't score perfectly. So in this particular uh, realm of things, they decided to add a veteran clause, which added five points, and ultimately those five points superseded mm -hmm. the 50 points of social equity, which ultimately eliminated me. Danielle, can you respond to that? Yeah, you know, I, I find it interesting whenever we're talking about the application uh, where people pinpoint the thing they didn't get the points for and usually say it's a preference. But the truth is, I think it's a larger issue at hand. And the issue is we had an application process that was competitive. So you, you can pick whichever point you want. Was it the bonus points? Was it the veteran points? Was it the Illinois preference or the Illinois points? It doesn't matter which point you pick. 
because it's a competitive process and the goal was to get the people with the highest score, if you didn't have a the highest score, you didn't get the licenses. And so I think the larger question is, does it is it important for us and should we in the future do a competitive process with points and should we have limited licensing? Because to me, when you have a short amount of a small amount of licenses and you make it based on how well you got in the points, it usually ends up being how much money did you have to be resourced enough right. to get support? And yeah. Felicia and I talk about this all the time. We want to streamline the application and think about ways to do an application process that doesn't require people to have to think that they need consultants. And the craziest thing about that, folks, that clip you just heard was that Belisha floated the idea of opening the market, you know, which is an idea that we've been floating for quite a while. Open up the market remove the license caps and Danielle Perry seemed to nod in agreement. Yeah, I think you really make a good point. I think that it's important that we recognize that it is a competitive process. The people that currently run the businesses right now that are medical that have been there since 2013 when the medical marijuana law passed or the Compassionate Care Act passed were not perfect. They just had the money and they had the will to go in and get those licenses and they did. And I think that the problem is not necessarily perfection or not necessarily where where the shortcomings were on the application. I think that the problem was is that it was designed um, for not only for it to be perfect, but it was designed for people, the people that uh, could afford to put in several applications to flood out the people that really couldn't afford it. And of course, social equity, nine times out of 10, an applicant can't afford it. You bring up a good point. It is a com- very competitive uh, process. Um, I ultimately think that it should be open license is open. If you qualify and if you can afford to apply, then you deserve a license. And I think that that'll be ultimately what would make this more equitable. I'm just saying that that's pretty awesome. Now, here's the thing she did say, and, and we're going back to the point we made just a little bit ago about three times as many black people being arrested in the first year of quote unquote legal, you know, cannabis in Illinois. Um, she floats the idea of dissolving possession limits. Has she been listening to the Chillinois podcast? Justine, like what, you know, what the hell's going on? All of a sudden people are floating the ideas of open markets and removing possession limits and allowing everybody to cultivate. Um, Maybe I'm just high, but it makes me feel like we're making a difference. (laughs) You know, it seems like people are talking about it. That's all I'm saying. So um, here's the clip. So, uh, Imanya, can you touch on this? Because what does it mean? Is it actually legal right i mean i this is the question that i have and it's part of the reason i wanted to do the documentary you know i think of course the federal government isn't criminalizing right now um these operations that like the state of illinois says is legal but it could if it chose to and i want to highlight that in its first year of uh legalized recreational marijuana in the state of illinois they arrested three times as many black people for possession than any other race. So we're still seeing this level of inequity, of uh, discrepancy that we were seeing exactly. even before this move to decriminalize and legalize, which are two separate things. That's not, they exactly. don't mean the same thing, which I think is really exactly. um, important. For, for an international audience where it isn't familiar with the, the U.S. legal system, Daniel, why are they arresting so many black people for something that seems to be legal there? So there are still possession. If you read the statute, there were possession limits put in the statute. So people can still uh, be arrested for a possession if they, you know, go beyond the illegal amount. So things are legalized, but it's not legalized completely. And that's something that I think we should continue to talk about federally as federal legalization happens. I don't know that we need to continue to put limitations on possession as we move forward, especially as we move in the federal government considering to legalize. So it's just something to think about. But as of now, based on statute, that would be illegal to have a certain level uh, or possession amount. And that's why you could be arrested. So yeah, let's let's remove the limits. Let's let's as we always say treat it like we do at a bare minimum like alcohol and cigarettes. And people get frustrated when I say that because they're like weed is not the same as alcohol and cigarettes and it's like okay, I agree. I agree. I I also agree because I've never had to go to meetings and use tools to help me get off of weed, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean 
we could we can talk about that but at a at a baseline like i say we just need to at least treat them equally because people have the issues that they have with alcohol and and people have issues with cannabis as well substance abuse issues with cannabis but my thing is at a bare minimum uh, cigarettes jesus christ people have so many issues with cigarettes like at alcoholics anonymous they basically encourage you to uptake the habit of smoking cigarettes to replace your addiction for alcohol. Um, I just, at a bare minimum, we should treat them equally in policy. I don't mean the same, like, culturally or stigma-wise, because that's where I think people get tripped up. They're like, it's not at all the same. It's like, okay, but you should, you should at, at a baseline, be able to go into the store and, and buy as much as you want, need, or please. You should be able to possess as much as you want, need, or please. Um, you should be able to cultivate slash brew as much as you want, need, or please. And a lot of people will point out that the brewing laws across the nation differ, and some actually do have limits. I've looked at the limits, folks. It's like 100 gallons per spirit. That's not at all equal to what they do with cannabis, in my personal opinion. The other thing about craft brewing is that you can give without remuneration, I'm really high, and I don't know if I knew what I meant by by saying that. You can give without worrying about being punished. You can gift your you can gift your craft brew your craft beer um, without worrying about it, or your you know homemade wine. There's no laws preventing you from doing that. Of course, unless you're giving it to a minor that's not 21 years of age or older. Different thing, though. Anyways, though, uh, yeah, you brought up that alcohol and cannabis are not at all the same um without getting you know too uh intimate um what do you mean by that i mean what what do you from your experience how is alcohol different from cannabis and for folks that may not have listened to our podcast they this may be new to them so that's why i wanted to give you a chance to elaborate yeah i think it definitely like the the biggest difference is just in level of impairment that you feel after using them in my personal experience i don't know i don't want to speak for everybody who's ever drank or who's ever used cannabis um but level of impairment um i i don't know alcohol just it just made me feel like every situation was more dangerous versus cannabis, which makes me feel like, you know, a little bit safer, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I just feel like, you know, you can't overdose on cannabis and die, but you can certainly drink enough alcohol to kill yourself in a night, you know, and I think that that's, yeah, that's a big difference between the two. And I just, I, the, this is again just my personal experience but like the hold that alcohol has had over me and over my life um and the control that it had on me is way 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 more than any control that cannabis has over me i mean i could i don't wake up in the morning thinking about smoking and if i don't smoke throughout the day like i i don't have symptoms of withdrawal necessarily but um i may not be as heavy a cannabis user as some of our listeners or other people. So that's just my, my personal experience. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing it. Um, I, I would agree with you that alcohol, um, is, is more impairing. Um, I will say that like when I take like tolerance breaks or whatever, that cannabis can be pretty impairing but it's not in the it's it's different than alcohol like when i'm impaired on alcohol i can't walk i am throwing up you know i can't um there's a lot of different things going on you know you can't make logical decisions um but when i'm high on cannabis like too high let's say uh it just becomes overwhelming it, it like you've got like tunnel vision you're paranoid, which can cause you to be a little bit more cautious about things, which may not be a bad thing. It can also cause you to, the paranoia can cause you to react irrationally to things, which could be a bad thing. I mean, just saying, you know. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree that um, just con two completely different beasts, 
you know, when it comes down to it. So, well, um, our last subject and then, uh, you know, last planned subject, and then we can just smoke the rest of this bowl and go, you know, just chill for a second. Um, is I had to share it cause this is uh, Illinois local who's making waves. Um, I've personally never heard of her. Um, but now that I have, I'm a huge fan and I've tried to connect with her. She did reach out to us. She's a busy, busy person. Her name is Shaleen title. And she recently wrote a white paper, uh, called how to stave off marijuana industry monopolies. Right. And in her white paper, she proposed several steps to boost competition in a national industry. She said that we should permit home grows first and foremost. Cheers to that. Am I right? Uh, prohibit vertical integration by businesses. Yep. It's interesting. But I'll just say we can talk about that. Avoid capping business licenses. That's, this sounds familiar. Avoid capping business licenses and prevent individual companies from controlling more than a certain percentage of any market. I like that one because it touches on not only opening the market like we always say but putting just small controls on keeping things balanced people like jump to conclusions when i say open the market they're like wait a minute you think that people should be able to sell weed with lead in it no you no no i still think that like on a commercial scale this product should be subject to consumer regulation i also think that on a smaller scale it shouldn't hear me out Farmers markets, I don't see any of those products being subject to consumer safety or regulations. And for all intents and purposes, I always say this, those tomatoes, whatever it could be, they could be using bad water for. I'm just, you know, just giving a weak, easy example. They might have found those raspberries by the side of the road this morning. You don't know. They may have. Lettuce is very, very, um, it's like predisposed to mold. I mean, it's a leafy substance with a lot of moisture. I mean, it's a recipe for mold. Meanwhile, people buy it all the time, you know, um, at farmer's markets or, or whatever else. And, and I'm just saying, you could roll the dice and get a bad one. And what are you going to do about it? Nothing, because you trust the farmer most times. And like, anyways, I think, uh, sorry, I digress. I think that should be a thing. Let's get back to Shaleen's uh, proposals. Um, incentivize states to award business licenses to small or disadvantaged companies. That's a, that's a good one. Hey, uh, your hands moving on the mic are getting picked up, by the way. Um, <laughs> create enforcement mechanisms to control antitrust laws and review mergers for evidence of anti-competitive ta tactics. Very cool. A little bit bigger than me, but I get the gist of it. You know what I mean? They want to make sure that, kind of like what we talked about earlier these social equity companies that just sell off licenses we want to have some controls and reviews in place to make sure that this isn't becoming anti-competitive or forming a monopoly this is what this is all about right back to the points prohibit any company with a documented history of corporate crimes such as defrauding the public from entering the industry that's a nice one it's kind of crazy that people like that aren't prohibited from entering, <laughs> entering the industry. Um, fun fact, uh, apparently people with a documented history of corporate crimes, such as defrauding the public, are allowed to work in the cannabis industry. Um, let's not let that happen anymore. Um, okay, so create, and this is, again, the, the article is how to stave off marijuana industry monopolies. It's a suggestion for when we move to a national scale. So this next point, makes sense right create a federal task force to ensure monopolies aren't created that's kind of cool um i'll just say good luck you know because i really like these ideas i just keep thinking that you look at the food industry you look at the news industry five people own media the media five people and then the food industry is even smaller so it's like do we really think cannabis is going to be any different? Look, I'm not trying to be the Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to be realistic here. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do these things. I'm just trying to be realistic. Look at everything else. Do we think it's not going to go that way? 
Back to her last point. Authorize states to ban or delay interstate commerce in order to protect existing companies during a transition to a national market. This is an interesting one. This is a very interesting one because basically, what do you understand what she's trying to say with this proposal? Kind of like make sure that the companies that already exist get kind of first dibs on being able to establish interstate commerce before new bigger companies can come in and start. I would say yeah. that that is probably part of it. Maybe like the the I think the the bottom line what she's trying to say is that she the, the states should be allowed to ban it altogether and like altogether or delay it um, in order to protect those existing companies. And and I, I guess what you just said. I would say that's like maybe part of the delay. They like open it up for people that are already there so that they get that leg up. And that'd be awesome to see. I like that idea. Um, but I think at a, at a bare minimum, what she's trying to say, like, let's say, let's say that Illinois did it right and gave these licenses to a bunch of small town, you know, small people that have been affected by the war on drugs. Right. Let's say that that actually happened. Um, the idea in allowing a state like Illinois to ban or delay that interstate commerce would be to prevent somebody from like, that's really established in Oregon or California to just be like, fuck it. I'm going to Illinois. I see a void in Illinois. Let's fucking start selling our California weed to Illinois. It's that's a cool idea, right? I would love to see California weed sold in Illinois, but if we're trying to protect, you know, existing companies and i'm not talking about the currently operating ones but just again theoretically if we did things right that'd be a cool way of doing it be like hey you know we don't want your california weed yet we're going to give our illinois people a chance to grow illinois weed to sell to illinois people and um you know other people that come into the state i don't know i don't know exactly how that last idea will work out but it's super cool um <clears throat> So one thing that I like that Shalene did was she singled out two multi-state operators in her white paper. Uh, she singled out Massachusetts-based Cureleaf Holdings and Illinois-headquartered Green Thumb Industries. Very good of her to do that. She wrote that both had, quote, touted their success, end quote, uh, in limited license states and were happy with such market structures. Something we've talked about. They brag about it during their uh, their investment, their their calls with investors. They brag about this shit all the time. Um, these market structures, which prohibit would-be marijuana businesses from participating in the industry. So MJ Biz Daily did a follow-up on Shalene's uh, article, and GTI chose not to respond. Uh, to a request for comment, uh, but a Cureleaf spokesperson wrote in an email to MJ Biz Daily that the language identified by title in its security filings does not reflect current company values or its approach to the industry. The spokesperson also pointed to Cureleaf's rooted in good corporate program, which is designed to support social equity and uh, giving back to communities. The company said in a statement, we are a very different organization now than we were when we started with one dispensary. But Title argues that the rise of MSOs is a sign that antitrust issues are timely and must be considered by regulators sooner than later. Um, MJ Biz Daily spoke with Title about some of her proposals and where she sees the cannabis industry heading. I'm going to link uh, Shalene's white paper and her Q&A with MJ Biz Daily in the show notes. Uh, but I just have one question for Cureleaf because they said that, you know, they're a very different organization than they were when they started with one dispensary. Um, I just want to ask Cureleaf, are you a different company than you were when you made the comment to me saying that Cureleaf, I'm going to read, to be clear, they said, Cureleaf does not support banning home grow. The company supports legislation that limits the number of plants which can be grown for personal consumption. We believe 
Statutes and regulations limiting the capacity for homegrown cannabis will protect consumers from unregulated and untested products entering the commercialized market because we believe an unregulated supply chain could be harmful to consumers. We believe that the safest way for the cannabis industry to evolve is through a highly regulated marketplace that ensures products adhere to appropriate testing and consumer safety standards and is sold to adults 21 years of age or older. I responded to this quite a while ago, and I actually just brought it up again in a a recent podcast that's going to be released alongside this show. Uh, I did an interview with uh, Nino LaFlair, who recently won Bud Tender of the Year. So if you want to hear how the hell you do that, check out that episode. It should be available for streaming if you're listening to this right now. I want to ask again, Leaf, are you a different company than you were when you made that statement? Um, I'd really like to know, and I'd like to see proof of that. Um, because your statement was bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it had, so you start with acknowledging that I'm talking about growing for personal consumption, but then you shimmy the conversation to, uh, a a hypothetical concern of unregulated and untested products entering the commercialized market, which they know more than anybody else that can't happen. Seed to sale. (laughs) These systems, so it's not like just because I grow at home, you're like I, I can just go to the dispensary and be like, hey, can you put this on the product? And they're going to be like, yep, yeah, we can. Like that's not going to happen. And they're, they're acting like that could happen. Like just because home, home grow could be allowed, that all of a sudden that that product would in, end up in dispensaries. No, we're talking about home grow for personal consumption. If we were talking about cultivating for commercial purposes i could see your point and wanting to make sure that it in, in that it adheres to all of those safety standards i said it at the beginning of the podcast i support that i also support the small scale farmer though too so interesting shout out to shaleen for for uh publishing that white paper folks check it out and i hope that i can get her on the show Uh, sometime soon i think that would be an awesome conversation to have with a person like that because they obviously have uh, a lot of ideas that i tend to agree with so shout out to them read uh read that white paper read the mj biz daily q a and ah, for the fuck of it i'll put uh, maybe i'll put a link uh to this statement that cure leaf made yeah for sure i'll do that you know, and if you look, because it's on Reddit, I responded to their statement, and they never responded. It was actually the last comment they ever made on Reddit. <laughs> I don't know. Seems they said, weird. "Mic drop, I'm out." Yeah, they said, "Well, I'm out of here." I want to be. I want to be clear. Limitations equal criminalization, in my opinion. If the re- if if exceeding, if the result of exceeding that limit equals criminal punishments that means that you support the criminalization of cannabis you can't you can't say that you don't so i'm just saying folks well hey damn we're about 40 minutes into this i mean we'll we'll chop it down a little so that it won't be exactly 40 minutes because we had some times where we were pulling up videos for sound clips and stuff but uh thank you for coming on the podcast and and getting real high with me and talking about this stuff yeah you're welcome here I think I uh, think it's on you. All right, Illinois. Well, hey, before we go, and while Justine hits the bong, um, I just wanted to say that if you want to support our show, you can go to chillinois.net slash support. It's something that we recently opened. Uh, you can make... Yep, it is support. Um, you can go to that link, and it'll be in the show notes. And you can make a donation of your choosing. You can do a one-time, a monthly, or a yearly donation. Let me float an idea for you folks. Make a $1 monthly donation. In a year, you will have spent $12 towards Chillinois. That doesn't seem like a lot, but every little bit counts, folks. It costs a lot of money for us to purchase the equipment we're speaking on right now to distribute the content. It's how you're listening to us right now. We pay for distribution fees, licensing fees for our software, and uh, we you know, also everything else. So we also owe um, 
Our cat Shoshana a good sum of catnip for her cameos in Cole's Grow Journal. Um, we're really struggling to to put that together. So yeah, that's of course that's of course a joke. But thank you for bringing up the Grow Journal because I just put myself into a corner, and here I go jamming myself more into that corner. I, I'm like doubling down. The first episode of my very first Grow Journal will be released on either Friday the 25th or Saturday the 26th. Either way, it's one of those two days. I'm too high to remember what I said, Uh, but I've been sitting on this for a while and I just decided, you know what? It's time to release this. It's actually 2.25, so the 25th, that's a Friday. It'll be premiering at, wait a minute, that's a Saturday. It'll be, God damn it, that's a Friday. I meant for it to be a Saturday. I'm correcting that right now. Um, it's going to be on three on 226. You guys just hurt. I, shh, I'm changing the date um, because I want to watch it live with you folks. You can watch it live with us. If you go to chillinoynet slash YouTube, you can watch the first episode live with us. That's on Saturday, 226 at 3 p.m. Mark it on our calendars, Justine. Central time, baby. Um, (coughs) Mark it on our calendars. We're going to be at the premiere of the first episode of my first Grow Journal. And like you mentioned, our cat makes uh, cameos throughout. And uh, we're just about to... This is kind of a spoiler alert, I guess, for the first episode. But we're just about to harvest the plants that we planted. So... The first episode is uh, planting the seed and, and and making that seed pop and, and how I do that and stuff. So spoiler alert on that, but we are going to be able to see the whole life cycle of the plant and it's super cool, honestly, when you see how a plant goes from just being a little a bean in my hand to being this thing that's almost as tall as me right now. It, this, this plant is fucking huge and it smells so good. And it has a personal vendetta against me. Apparently. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You want to tell that story? We, we, okay. So yeah, I made a, an upgrade to my grow. I got a, a larger tent, um, you know, increasing our, our canopy space. Um, and I had you help me. Yeah. Um, we have a plant that is particularly gangly. I would say it's just very tall. And so I wrapped my arms around it to keep it safe while Cole moved it from one place to another. And within about five minutes, um, my arm was completely, my arms were completely broken out in hives and yeah, super you got a itchy. Wicked rash. And, yeah, so um, apparently I have a topical allergy to cannabis, which luckily does not affect my lungs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. So some people just have that. I've noticed people leaves. I don't even know if it's the cannabis specifically. I don't think it is. Honestly, I think it's kind of like, uh, you know, Hold corn. That closer to your mouth. Yeah. It's kind of like corn where it's got like almost little micro blades or something exactly. on the leaves to protect itself. So it just like cuts, cuts. your skin. Yeah. So that's probably what it was. And then if it's got any sort of pollen on it because they are female plants so they will have and they have a lot of pollen on them or well no they don't they've got a lot of trichomes on them yeah Yeah. but yeah so it probably just cut me open and inserted pollen and i'm allergic to nature so that's what happens hell yeah that's what happens well folks um i hope you enjoyed today's episode i hope that you're all doing well and staying safe and uh being happy you know um just want to say that if you're ever in the Champaign-Urbana area, we have been sponsoring sh- uh, CU Comedy shows. So if you go to cucomedy.com, they're not all in Champaign-Urbana. They're actually like Midwest Illinois. So some shows are in Decatur. Some shows are fucking Near other Danville. places. Danville. Um, they go all <laughs> they go all over the place. I've seen them up near Chicago, down you know a little further south. Uh, they put on a great show. And you should definitely support them. And, you know, we all need a reason to laugh. So if you're looking for a laugh, definitely check it out. Um, 
Every week, they've got open mics in Champaign-Urbana that are completely free of charge. Just go to cucomedy.com. And if you're looking for any of their other events, uh, which are oftentimes uh, paid, but I've never seen their shows exceed like 25 bucks. So he's like 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks, you know, uh, to get in. And it's always a really, really good time, folks. There's nothing like live comedy, in my opinion. And you mix that with getting a little high, which, by the way, the reason I'm bringing this up, if I didn't mention it already, is that we sponsor CU Comedy and we go to CU Comedy events. If you see us there, folks, say hi to me and I'll give you a joint. <laughs> we'll smoke a joint. You know, we'll do we'll 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 blaze down right right before the show. Get super fucking baked and go in and have a good time. So uh, if that's not a reason, to, if, if I haven't given you enough reasons to go to a comedy show, not only will you laugh, but there's a good chance you'll get super baked with the Chillinois podcast. So um, like I say, if you see us, don't don't be afraid to uh, say hello before or after the show. We are intimidatingly beautiful to gaze upon, but don't be intimidated by us. We're nice people. That is not a... Not, I've never heard us described that way, but I'll take it. Um, so, Chillinois to that. I'm gonna hit this bong again, and we're gonna we're gonna close this little podcast out of here. Once again, if you want to support our podcast, Chillinois.net/support our YouTube channel, Chillinois.net/youtube. We've been releasing the podcasts on YouTube, so if you're listening to this on YouTube, hello. If you'd rather listen to on YouTube, you can do that. I know some people have been voicing that. They're like, dude, I. I don't use podcast platforms because we're on every major podcast platform, but some people have pointed out, like, I listen to things off of YouTube. And so we're on YouTube now. We're also on the Weed Tube, so you can find us there. The Weed Tube. Um, that's a place that will definitely not take us off of their site for posting our content. Um, so, yeah, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Instagram, Chillinois Podcast. Twitter is at Chillinois State. And um, thank you all for, for making it a blast to do this little project. And I hope that you learned a thing or two. Definitely check out the show notes uh, because we're high. We talk about this shit. I want you to take a good, hard look at everything that we talked about today and make a judgment for yourself, you know? Because um, like I said, we didn't touch on everything that, that we've just like, there's so much subject matter in every topic we discussed today that I really want you guys to check out the documentary, the conversation about the documentary, the articles. We talked about Shalitin's white paper is great. Uh, there's much more info in there than just those core proposals that I talked about. So it's all good stuff. Take a good deep, hard look at it and uh, come away with your own understanding. So Chillinois, we will see you next time. Cue the end theme of SpongeBob because that's what's going through my brain right now. <laughs> All right. Bye, Chillinoy. Bye.